This is Mindset for Success, a We Global Studios podcast. We explore the familiar, but not often talked about, deep-rooted emotional experiences that successful females have when setting up their businesses, and we learn how they overcame them. Good morning, I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and I'm very happy to welcome to today's show, Jennifer Harris. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Jennifer Harris is the founder and CEO of Technology Management Concepts, a gold-certified Microsoft partner specializing in ERP and CRM, and the premier Microsoft Dynamics partner in Southern California. With her solid foundation over 30 years in the field, Jennifer is known as the visionary leader as she leads one of her the fastest growing women-owned technology companies in the nation. Jennifer, would you share with our listeners a bit about your entrepreneurial journey, which I think began at 22 in your laundry room? Thank you for that opening. Yes, I was um, right from college And it was during the time of the um, initial um, digital transformation of um, businesses where financial information started to be able to be done on personal computers. So my partners and I decided to find a business where we would teach people how to use PCs to do their financial um, needs. Mm -hmm. And tell me a little bit about how it went at the beginning as two, I think there were two of you, two young women with families. Is that right? Maybe not at 22, but <laughs> not at 22. There was actually, Sorry. we had a, another partner, a, a male partner, but there were the two of us that ultimately carried the um, business along. So yes, we were two young women. We did not yet have our um, families started. We basically started this business in a laundry room where we had one phone that we shared and started to give our business card out at stores around the city to say that if they had people that bought one of the ERP software that we were going to learn and sell, to please give our name to go out to them and and train them on how to use it. It was Mm -hmm. very innovative and entrepreneur at the time. No one was doing it. And to our pleasant surprise, we had found a niche in the market where people were looking to change their ERP from outsourcing and big systems and manual ledgers to a more um, self-run software that they could do within their own offices. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about your partner and how you guys chose each other and how that business relationship bloomed, I think, into a personal relationship as well, or maybe it was there before. Yes. <laughs> um, my partner, Brenda Diener, came with me. She was, we both moved to California from Florida, and we had gone to University of Florida together. We moved to California with a couple of other friends, and the, she was working at GTE, which was the phone company at the time as a <sighs> manager. Long time ago. Long time ago. And (laughs) I was working at Transamerica Insurance, teaching the actuaries how to use the new, brand new IBM personal computers. And we had a third partner, as I said, who had worked with me at a prior position at the time. He stayed with us for a few years and then we bought out in the early 90s. But initially, the three of us just 
quit our jobs and decided that we would look to see where we could move forward with this. Brenda and I worked side by side. She was the salesy of the two of us, and I worked on the implementation and training side. And we would go out and find clients together and work every day on this business. And on the weekends, we were best friends. And um, through the years, met our partners, got married, had children, all while running this business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was it like to be two young women? So two young women in those days, I think that today we are seeing that women in tech had a lot of challenges. We, at that time, were almost you know very unique being the onlys. So we found it challenging in some ways, but I think we were um, sort of unknown and did not understand the nuances as much and so sort of dove straight in. In retrospect, I think there were quite a lot that we were outliers or outsiders to Mm -hmm. and were not aware of, but it didn't hinder our ambition and our dream of, you know, running our own business. When you and I talked in our pre-interview, we talked a little bit about how you found that unknown strengths um, can be found in adversity and really lead you to failing forward, as you put it. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about what that what that is and what that's been like for you in terms of your business success and model yes so i think that when you start out as two young women you don't have a big community around you you don't have um you know you're not going to play golf together with people you don't have business trips with other colleagues. So it creates this ambition and um, grit that you wouldn't normally have and allows you to feel like you need to, since you feel like you need to do it on your own, you somewhat create that kind of um, determination to move and fail forward. Once we were in that mode, we were just, you know, it was our own perseverance. And as I said, you're a little bit on an island and Mm -hmm. that allows you to Um, just fail forward, move forward, keep it moving. When my partner passed away in 2011, that was my main challenge for me personally on how do you go from the low of the low, the worst possible thing happening Mm -hmm. and come out of it stronger and more directed than ever. Mm -hmm. It almost sounds like one of the challenges of being a founder is also trying to find that bubble that you stay in where you can fail forward. I mean, there's so much going on, right? So in order to understand the sink or swim idea, you kind of also have to focus on what's a priority. It's hard at the beginning. Yes. And, you know, they say this um, for all professions, but particularly for this, you know, you can't really have a plan B. This has to be Mm -hmm. all in and you're going to, you know, sink or swim with the endeavor to really be successful. They say that a lot in acting and music, but it's also true in technology. For every success, there's a multitude of failures mm-hmm. and you're hooking your wagon to something that's ever changing, unlike you making, you know, chairs and you know there's a market for chairs for a very long time. With technology, it can change on a dime and you have to be able to pivot with it and 
had the ability to say, we tried this, this didn't work, we're going to try something else. So that ability to pivot, be flexible, turn on a dime has been with you since you were little? Yes, it has. And I think it's, again, held me in good stead to be able to say, this is what I want to do, have a goal in mind, push myself out there. But you have to remember that um, selling financial software on personal computers and then on the internet, that wasn't a job you went to college to do. It wasn't even around. It wasn't mm -hmm. out there. So mm -hmm. I tell young people all the time to think outside the box because what they end up doing or being may not even be invented as of yet. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was true. It was following, um, you know, having a gut feeling, thinking this is where things are going to go. And sometimes you're right. And if you're wrong, you have to be able to pivot and Personally, I moved from Miami to Los Angeles without a return flight and mm -hmm. at 21. And I think that I always had the mindset that I would try this. And if this didn't work, I would try something else. So no big deal in the sense that failing was part of the background. Yes. The possibility of failing was part of the background. It always was part of the background. I think it's what gets me up every morning, though, and keeps me moving forward. The fear of failing. It's not really the fear of failing because if you have a, a big fear, I think you don't go forward. It's a healthy dose of this could fail. What I always have a backup plan in my mind and what would that be? How would I pivot? How would I change? And I think I did grow up. I'm the, the youngest of um, eight children. I didn't have, you know, a lot of um, structure. And so you create that yourself, both in your personal mm -hmm. life and professional life. And you know that you can always pick yourself up and move forward. So would you credit the eight children, being one of eight children, also part of the reason why you had the drive and the strength to put, push forward? Because not a lot of structure? Yes, I think the chaos of being around a lot of different people and in a family that's large like that, um, you, you have a lot of different personalities you have to navigate and you need to forge your own way and, mm -hmm. and do it in a way that you, you know that you're supported somewhat, but it's not the same as being from like my children, a family of two where you mm -hmm. know what's going on and, and you have quite a, quite a, a large family um, support system. Um, I had less of that, which gives me the inner fortitude to make sure that I move forward. And probably also the experience growing up. It was yes. you, you and only you, well, maybe not only you, but you who had to kind of push yourself forward. Absolutely. And I became good at finding the right friendships and the right, you know, with my, my sisters and my friends and people to support me. You create a system that allows you to make sure that you are supported and you have people that lift you up around you, but also you have the inner fortitude to know that what you want to do is what you want to do at that moment. And, and again, you do it with a healthy dose of planning, but knowing that the unknown is something that you thrive on, not that shuts you down. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things you said after your partner died in our interview, a pre-interview was that in some ways you had to take more risks after her death mm -hmm. and that those risks weren't necessarily clear operationalized thoughts, 
but mm-hmm. you knew that you had to do that. And where do you think, is that that inner fortitude? Is that kind of what you, you came from a family of eight with? Yes, I think it's it's twofold. It is something that when the worst happens, we have a couple choices, and I don't think that they're very well thought out. You use your background and where you come from to sort of move you forward. So for me, when the very worst happened, I had to dig deep and take those moments to determine where I wanted to go. And if I was going to bring her legacy with me and what she gave me in my past 20 years of working with her and take some risk and move forward and move up, or if I was going to take it at her death as a final chapter Mm -hmm. and let it go. And I think that Brenda was one of the most amazing people as far as always had grit, always failed forward, you know, the tenacity. And I took the strength from her and my background together to propel us to the next level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you feel like you fit in growing up? I was very shy. I'm redheaded. And in the time I was um, growing up, that was not a very popular um physical attribute. So I was a shy, awkward teen and going into college was, you know, like to be in the background and sort of just tried to assimilate, even though I didn't always fit in. I was very fortunate that I knew I needed to surround myself with a small but mighty group of people that allowed me to fit into that group. So I do think that the most successful people sometimes are people that maybe aren't mainstream popular, but find their people and thrive within that. And I did that. And how were you able to do that? Instinctual? Push yourself? Interestingly, I think that they found me and I gravitated towards them. So I gravitate Mm -hmm. towards people that are very solid and aren't... um, do not create chaos and drama around me and have the same values as I do. And I have the same friends from college for the most part or my young adult life. My um, my work, I try to create a solid place to be because I think for people, you can do great things if you feel like you have a solid base. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. Um, and lis- for our listeners who are who may um, not know how to get that solid group. And of course it's individual for everybody, mm-hmm. but what are some of the um, things that you've done that's helped you find the support that you need? I think that you have, you know, instinctually somewhat who is toxic and who are good people who you connect to, who you connect value wise to. If you have people that come into your life that support you and lift you up, Those are the people, and it can be from helping you to play pickleball to, you know, business, but the people that you should, that, that for the long term are going to be in your life are people that when you leave them, you feel better than before. Mm -hmm. And all of us have had people that drain us, that don't provide any um, lift or uh, energy into our life. And those are people that even from a very early age you know, and you should 
put in their proper place if you decide to keep them in your life. But you really require, or at least for people like me, when you don't fit exactly in, you're not able to have this wide, you know, friend group, work group, find people that are that lift you up, whether it's one person or five people, and that when you're with them, you feel energized, not depleted after mm -hmm. um, your association. You spoke to me about being really skilled at compartmentalizing things. Mm -hmm. Has this always been true? And if so, do you think that being able to compartmentalize has helped you to grow your mindset for success? And then why? Yes, I do. I think women in particular, we say we multitask and men, colleagues are very focused on one thing and they feel, I think sometimes people think that means compartmentalizing, but I would say that women do it a little differently. We compartmentalize in that we, when we're with our families, we're concentrating on our families, when we're um, at our work, we're concentrating on work. And although some of us will say we, we never quite leave either out. For me personally, the ability to not bring my work home and not bring home to work has been a great benefit. But even more important, recently somebody said, how do you sleep at night worrying about a big payroll, that kind of thing. And I think if you can't sleep at night worrying about payroll, then you're not going to be able to really take the risks that are necessary. So you have to be able to make a decision and, and then put it in its box while you let everything play out. So part of being able to sleep is not to let yourself go down the rabbit hole. Exactly. And to do that, you, you don't necessarily avoid the, the risk, but you attempt to distract yourself from it. I don't even know if it's distracted. I think you put it in its place. So you say to yourself, okay, this is, you know, what I, the responsibility I have, but I'm not going to dwell on the responsibility and not sleep at night. I'm going to dwell on what I need to do mm. to be successful. And if it, if it comes out that I'm not able to, you know, make my goals or do something, we'll address it then. But if every decision is based on you worrying about some risk, you're never going to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Or, or it's going to be a compromised decision. Absolutely. Yeah. And so sometimes that's good. You do have to have, you know, somebody needs to, you take everything into account and you make a um, educated decision or, right. you, you know, you say, I'm not going to jump off that cliff because it's too high and I don't know what the landing is. And sometimes you hold your breath and close your eyes and jump. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that that is, um, the ability to somewhat compartmentalize allows you to make those decisions without constantly thinking of the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As a leader, do you use did you sometimes use I'm sorry, do you sometimes compartmentalize things? Sorry about that. Um, and if so, does it ever come off as not empathic enough? Yes, that's a great question, actually. Um, a lot of leaders are not looked at as empathic. Um, we are looked at as compassionate, or we want to be. It can be difficult to be empathic if you're in everybody's shoes thinking of their point of view when you're trying to make a decision. But I think that people, I've been changing my leadership recently. We've been doing a lot to share this 
with uh, my executive leadership team. And what I'm trying to teach them is you want to be collaborative and have input, but at some point you have to be, and people expect you to be able to make a decision. And so again, you need to take every, take the input and the feedback, but at the end of the day, be willing to take the risk and fail and succeed based on your inputs from your team. And then you make the decision after that. I think the compartmentalization doesn't turn people off as much as um, put the pressure on you maybe to always make the decision, but it's a good place to be. But in terms of the empathy, where does it come out that you're willing to take the responsibility, I don't know, to, to make the tough decisions? Yes. So mm -hmm. I think that although someone would like you to think about, you know, I have a hour commute or, you know, this family member is ill or I'm working too much and I'm burnt out, whatever their, you know, personal where you people are, need to be empathetic leaders, you should put yourself and have compassion and feel for them. But at the same time, it's your job to look at the whole organization and make the tough decisions. So the issue with empathy is it becomes very personal one-to-one -one, mm -hmm. instead of what people really want you to do, I think, is look at the whole organization and do what's best for the whole while you continue to have empathy where you can for the individual. Right. And so having looking at the whole organization means you're also uh, trying to make a secure path forward for everybody. Exactly. So if you realize that this one person is impacting the whole team, the, you know, and you're just, you know, looking out for them, that hurts the whole team. Right. That's not Absolutely. probably the best way to go. Mm -hmm. um, is can it be lonely to be a founder? And if so, what have you learned to do when you're lonely? It is actually very lonely. And it was something that came out um, in, you know, very was illuminated for me when my partner passed away. I think it's somewhat uh, unique and wonderful to have a partner that you are close with and respect and trust. And when I lost that, I didn't have that and it, it was lonely, particularly in what you were saying before in making these decisions. What I've done to combat that is I've surrounded myself with very special leadership that supports me and I support them in the work environment. It was a conscious decision. It's something that I enjoy and I like to have and I require in order to be successful. And then mm -hmm. outside of my organization, I've recently in the last couple of years joined a couple leadership groups that I would never have expected to be necessary, but I think they are to talk to people once a month, twice a month that are going through similar things that I am and sort of bounce it off each other and have people validate and lift you up and challenge you that don't have a personal stake in it. And I highly recommend um, from therapists for business to colleagues and support groups. I think that a lot of us, particularly entrepreneurs, do not feel the need for that. And it was definitely missing from my life. As an entrepreneur, do you feel like you fit in more than you did growing up? 
Absolutely. I think I have found a place where there are like-minded people. We have similar goals and easier to fit in. In some ways, I still have a little bit of the awkwardness just being a woman, a woman of my age in technology. There is a little bit of other. My growing up feeling that way probably prepared me for that. Mm -hmm. But there is still that. I'm working on it. And after 30 years, I'm still working on it. I, I wish I had worked on it earlier. But I do feel that you sort of can take everything else out of the equation. And, and when you talk about finding a business and, and, and finding new areas where we can succeed and, and just the challenges of the workplace, you fit in with other people that are going through what you're going through. So what do you think about growing up as sometimes feeling like the other um, did for you in terms of your sense of um, pushing forward, I don't know, competition, maybe not competition, but pushing forward and being able to do what you've done to become the success that you are? Well, I think that there's a couple things. One, you, I took care of myself from a very young age. And if I wanted anything, I had to sort of do it for myself. And that kind of mindset where you're not waiting for someone else to do for you has held me in good stead. And I think that you create a thicker skin and the ability to pivot and to do what it takes to, to um, survive in the world around you. So I feel that my background and inner self works well in this environment of take risk, um, do it alone, make sure that I keep other people safe and keep going forward. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, believe it or not, we are at the end of our podcast. Um, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to be with me. I really appreciate it. If the uh, listeners wanted to learn more about you, can you let them know how they could find you on the internet? Absolutely. So my name is Jennifer Harris. I'm CEO of Technology Management Concepts. We're at abouttmc.com. That's abouttmc.com. We are a Microsoft partner and we sell Microsoft products. So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on our website. You can find me on Facebook. And I would love to talk to anyone about any um, of the items that we discussed today. Great. Thank you again. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital DIY startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit weglobalstudios.com. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knutson. Please drop me a line at mindsetforsuccess at weglobalstudios.com. See you next week.